This is Michael Cowan, and welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation. You need to show people the worst possible harm that that negligence could have caused, because that's what the case is about. What I'm asking you to do is to focus on what you can control, because that's where the power lies. The Dalai Lama uh, has a saying that in the face of anger, justice evaporates. If you can't focus group it, you have to be very, very critical of your process. The facts aren't good. You can't create a miracle. We can agree to disagree and be zealous advocates for our clients. Quit worrying about looking perfect. You're not going to. That'll come in time, but you can still be an effective litigator. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Trial Lawyer Nation, your source to win bigger verdicts, get more cases, and manage your law firm. And now, here's your host, noteworthy author, sought-after speaker, and renowned trial lawyer, Michael Cowan. Today on Trial Lawyer Nation, uh, I have our firm's marketing director, Delisi Friday, uh, and we're going to talk to you all about marketing. Uh, how are you doing today, Delisi? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, pretty good. So let me just start by asking you a question. Uh, you've been with our firm for a number of years now. Is there anything that's surprised you uh, from the things you've learned over the years about personal injury marketing? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I would say almost my entire career has surprised me in working with you because, and I think you could probably say the same thing as well, because when you hired me, I think we had a different vision for how I would factor into our marketing and what our marketing plan was. And it was completely different. And then where it is today is not where I envisioned it. Um, And I really thought we would be doing marketing business to consumer when I took on the role. And now now we're all business to business and we have our own in-house marketing team. Yeah, it's really developed over the years. And I think think you and I talked about it. I think it would be useful not to sit around and brag about what we're doing, but to kind of talk about you know, what we what works for us and then talk about the evolution of you know what we've done over the years, what worked, what didn't, you know, and how we build up to, to where we are now. Oh, absolutely. We learned a lot of lessons. Yep. Uh, so you said business to business, business to consumer. What do you mean by those two things in the in the legal field? So in marketing, we use B to C and B to B when we're talking about who our audience is. So B2C would be business to consumer. And that would be all of the personal injury law firms out there who are marketing their business directly to those new potential clients. We market B2B, which is business to business. And that means our marketing is all marketing to other law firms that we could potentially partner on in a case. Now, you know, I've had people tell me I'm insane uh, for just having a pure B2B or, you know, marketing to other ref- lawyers that might want to refer or co-counsel a case uh, because I'm giving up a referral fee in every case that would not be better off trying to just get 100% of that case uh, when it comes in. I think every time we bring in someone new to work with us, they think that too. Uh, yes. What's been, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think first I would agree with those individuals because I would have thought the same thing, but Everything you do in our law firm, there's a reason behind it, and you put a lot of thought into it. Um, So actually, I think the reason that this works is because you put pen to paper, 
and you actually took a look at our dockets and the cases that brought us the most business, and you said, wait a second, we're getting most of our bigger dollar cases from other law firms. So does it make more sense for us to market just to those other law firms? So I hope that answers some of your question, but I also like to ask you, what was that thought process like for you? How did you come to that decision? Because it wasn't an easy one, I'm sure. Well, it wasn't. And part of it was was trying it the other way. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of came up on a, on a, you know, I went to go work for a lawyer. I left a big law firm, went to go look for a lawyer. And um, shortly after I made partner a couple of years into it, he quit. I mean, he just said, here's three weeks notice. I'm going to become a public defender or you need to buy me out of the law firm. And for whatever stupid reason, I agreed to do it. And, you know, I ended up with my own law firm. I didn't have the money to advertise. And so, you know, back then I was really scratching out a living. So I went to other lawyers and said, I'll try your little all state state farm fender bender cases for you. And, you know, eventually won enough of them to start making a name. So I really didn't have a choice, but I always thought, man, if I didn't have to pay the referral fee, I can make so much more money. Uh, and, and, you know, and every now and then we organically get a case and it's like, oh, wow, we're getting 40% instead of a, a much smaller percentage when we got to cut you know, other people in on it. And I thought, oh man, it would be nice to, to get that. And so at one point, I, you know, I popped a big case and uh, I had a fairly mature firm at that point where we, you know, we, we had a good income stream. And, uh, you know, I tried other things I tried back. I'm really dating myself, but, you know, we did like a full page Yellow Pages ad. Uh, we did a website. We, you know, we hired web marketing people. And that, none of that ever really, at least in deep South Texas, where I'm from, uh, didn't really work. Um, so I tried TV advertising. Um, you know, I just, uh, I got a budget. I got with a company that does TV advertising or plaintiff's firms and, you know, ran ads. And uh, a couple things happened. One, I, I realized that it wasn't for me. Um, the volume of cases that you have to screen, the, the number of people coming in. And then because you're spending all this money on the TV ads, the temptation to take cases you otherwise wouldn't take. Because why well, I just spent, you know, I just spent $50,000 this month on TV advertising. You know, I know I've never done slip and fall cases, but that's the only thing, the only people that are calling me right now. And we ended up signing up some. And so, um, and just the unrealistic people, the people that had called five other law firms and been rejected then calling us, just, I didn't like dealing with all that. But well, the other thing is we did get some trucking cases. We did get some other cases. And I put pen to paper, you know, after about a year and realized that, even on our highest referral fee percentage we pay, uh, our average fee was like triple what it was than the average fee on the trucking cases that had no referral fee. Because when we're taking referrals, we're at least at this point in my career, we're able to say no to a lot of cases. So we're only taking cases that meet a certain criteria. Uh, whereas when you're just advertising, you know, they're coming in early and, you know, thank, thankfully a lot of people that get in regs get better. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they would go and they treat a little bit at the chiropractor's office or they, you know, go and, you know, see a doctor a couple times and they'd get better. And in those cases settled for what they were worth, but they still took time. Then uh, they took energy and we had to go get their property damage fixed and we had to get them in a rental car. And we had to, then sometimes there'd be no insurance coverage and they wouldn't want to get back out of the rental car. And, you know, and then it would be on my credit card we can do that in Texas and other states. I know y'all can't do that. We can in Texas. And if you don't, you lose the case. And so I, you know, for me, I found out that it's actually, 
on a per hour or per case basis, it's more profitable to do big cases cutting in another law firm than it is to do to take in to advertise and take in enough cases to get those same big cases and make the same amount of money. Yes. And I even remember when you had me start at your firm, you had hired a company to help you with the website. And they said, don't worry, we're going to do tons of SEO and digital marketing. And you're going to get a lot of phone calls and sign up a lot of trucking cases. And we tried it and we didn't get those cases. And it's like the sunk cost fallacy that you and I talked about last, last podcast where you're signing up the cases you probably shouldn't because you're just trying to make back the money you just invested in all of the digital marketing. And I remember how busy our intake department was, but they were busy with bad cases we weren't going to accept. Exactly. Yeah, digital marketing. And I know people that are killing it on digital. And, you know, and, but I don't know that hiring a company that is also providing digital legal marketing to other people uh, in your area is a, is a success, is a path to success. But with both the companies, and I'm not going to name names right now because, you know, they're, they're, they're nice people and I don't want to slander people. It's not yeah. slander, it's true, but I, I, I don't want to <laughs> talk, talk bad about people. If people ask me privately whether they should work with somebody, I'll give you my opinion, but I'm not going to announce it here. Uh, but both the companies I worked with when we just were not getting good cases at all uh, after spending what they, what they recommended we spend, their solution was always to pay them more money. Yeah. Well, you pay us more money to do, say, so I'm going to do more of what doesn't work and it's somehow going to magically start working again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> well, and I also think the time that we're in now, because we did this years ago, I've been with you for almost six years now. And when we did it, I feel like it was a different space. And now if you are going to spend money in digital, you have to be highly competitive. And in order to do that, you have to spend a lot of money. Yeah, digital. I mean, it depends on how you do it. I know people that, it, and it depends on what you're doing. Like we're doing trucking cases. I mean, you're, you're talking about the most competitive niche in the industry. And we're in San Antonio, Texas, where you have Thomas J. Henry. So I think like, I think San Antonio truck lawyer or some of that, or San Antonio injury lawyers, the highest Google, prize Google AdWord. Uh, you know, we, we are just, we have people spending so much money on those uh, to try to get those cases digitally uh, that it's just frankly you know, not, not a game I choose to play. Um, And I'm not telling people out there, but I know other people in San Antonio that do get uh, cases digitally. Now they have a different uh, setup than we do. Uh, They're not as big and uh, they're not as, uh, as focused on one type of case. But I think if you had a niche, you know, uh, of a certain type of case that wasn't, uh, everyone else wasn't trying to get, or you have some way to differentiate yourself. And I do think digital, and I think digital is the future. I mean, I think that fewer and fewer people are going to watch TV ads as life, as time goes by. I agree. I agree. I also think there's a new space for that because now people are watching internet TV, um, which I remember Jim Adler talked about that in one of our previous episodes where now that's a whole new space for digital marketing is how do you get onto internet TV? Yeah. And there is that rare client that goes and really, really researches uh, online different firms and the results and their reputation and stuff is, and reviews. Uh, they exist. Uh, and you talk to like Steve Gersten, who has, who's a, got in really early and is a master of digital marketing and just organically does really well all the search because he's just been doing it for so long and has so many, so much content out there. 
Uh, yeah. He says he gets clients that are really out there and they've read all the reviews and they've really, but I think by and large, that's the minority in the personal injury realm. Uh, right. Now, I think those people are more likely to have a better case, but I think, uh, you know, because it's, it's a bigger decision when you have a bigger case, like a death or a really serious injury. But I think a lot of people, you know, they don't, people that know lawyers, or know people that know lawyers, ask other lawyers and ask around to get recommendations. Uh, so the people that are getting, uh, responding to advertising are typically going to be, you know, less sophisticated and, and it's more about, you know, what benefits are you offering them in your advertisement? And, right. you know, are you, are you showing strength? Are you showing, you know, aggressiveness in your it's marketing. a more educated client. Yeah. So I want to kind of ask you a little bit about what it was like before you hired me and what that thought process was and that transition. So what was the evolution before you decided to bring someone like me to the firm? Well, one, it was not as good before you, uh, but uh, you bring a lot to the table. Uh, but it was a long, a long evolution. I mean, I've been doing some kind of marketing, you know, since 1999, 2000, 2001, somewhere in that, you know, 20 years or so ago. Uh, when I started, I did not have much of a budget. I mean, I was very much, like I said, I think I had a Yellow Pages ad uh, because that's what everyone did back then was a Yellow Pages ad that was never particularly, uh, never really got as much. I don't, I don't know that it even ever paid for itself. Um, and so I, I did different things. You know, when I first did it, I got a, like a local ad agency. Uh, and then the guy that that I went to work with, he, you know, looking back, he probably got fired. But he left the ad agency and convinced me to hire him and bring him on in-house. And, you know, he just he had a lot of good ideas, but wasn't really good at follow through. Um, and so, we, you know, we we'd run an event here or there, but we didn't really follow up very well. I went to the Ben Glass Great Legal Marketing Um and, you know, I got a lot out of working with Ben. Some of the things, you know, honestly, some of the things work and some don't. And you don't know every market's different. Every practice is different. Uh, and you don't know unless you try it. Uh, and I think, you know, his disability practice is very different than South Texas personal injury practice, where, frankly, you have case runners going to people's doors and calling them directly as your competition. Uh, so the kind of the slow burn stuff he does, I don't think works as well in that market. Um, but it works really, really well in the B2B. Uh, but so, you know, I, I went to his seminars. I tried developing, you know, some newsletters. I wrote a book for consumers. You know, I tried running a TV ad to say, you know, before you call a lawyer, get this book and find out whether you ever need one. And pretty much, I think we gave away 10 books to consumers and all the rest went to other lawyers that asked for a copy of the book or judges uh, that asked for a copy of the book. Um, but I tried that, you know, I, like I said, I had a couple other people work for me before you, but they were, you know, frankly, they were flaky. Um, you know, there's, I, with all respect, there's a lot of flaky people in marketing. There's a lot of people that just, they just bullshit you and promise you the sun and the moon and they don't deliver. Um, uh, but, you know, other people that did, okay, you know, we, we developed decent, uh, you know, at one point we at least got decent branding. Uh, and, you know, we had some people that did that for us that worked really well. But just the idea of, I could never get anyone to take my ideas and run with them. Uh, and I think the problem is I was hiring the wrong people with the wrong strengths. Uh, now that we've learned more from this, like Patrick and Shelmy, the different working geniuses and people have different areas. I really needed people with more tenacity. Uh, and what's the other one? I think tenacity, galvanizing and tenacity, getting other people around things, sticking with it till the project's done. 
And instead, I got a lot of other people that were more idea people. Uh, and then I had the one person that uh, it wasn't even getting after them, but we had a we were doing a we were working with a consultant called Emith. The guy wrote a book. Michael Gerber wrote a book, The Emith: Why Most Small Businesses Fail and What You Can Do About It. And uh, we were working with an Emith coach. And one of the things we we're doing is learning how to be more efficient in our time. And so we did for two weeks. We just we would track our time. We you, you would plan your day for the next day, then you would track what you did. Um, uh, through the day. And then you know, at the end of the week, we turn it in and we compare it and see, you know, can we find ways where we can become more efficient? Are we wasting time? And I handed it to him and he goes, I can't work under this kind of suspicion. Well, the first day he put like nine to noon work, noon to one lunch, noon to five work <laughs> or one to five work. And I, I said, dude, you got to give this some suspe- some specificity. He goes, I can't work under this kind of suspicion. And he just walked out. Uh, <laughs> well, you mentioned time. So let me ask you, how much time did you devote to your marketing before then? Like, did well, you have a strategy that you thought about first or was it every month or how did you do it? It went in fits and spurts. And that's because that's my weakness. I'm a really good idea person. Uh, if you look at the at the things in the Lencioni working genius model, I, I have wonder and innovation. So uh, I'm really good at, at thinking about things and thinking about new ideas and coming up with plans. I'm not the best at making sure that three months later we're still working on it and I haven't come up with some other wonderful idea. Uh, and so I would spend, you know, weeks where I would do just a ton of work on it, but then I didn't have someone else until you, I didn't have someone else to really hand it off to that would really do a good job of running with it. Um, and so that's, that, that was the big weakness I had. So it was a very inconsistent, like, you know, we did a firm newsletter and, you know, so we got like three months, we got, newsletter out every month, then it was every two months, then three months, and six months went by, and then we got two more out every month, you know, because I was trying to write it myself. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't have the money to hire someone else back then either. It was, I think part of the problem was just the, part of it was the budget that I had to hire people, uh, and but part of it, frankly, was me not knowing how to hold people accountable. And so, you know, I wouldn't speak up soon enough. I wouldn't tell people, hey, you can't do that. Um, and I think that that, uh, that part of my natural growth of learning how to, you know, nicely, but being real and telling people when, when their work is not acceptable uh, was really important too. I think a part of that also is sometimes when you have marketing strategies, you have to give them time to see if they're going to work. Yeah. So I think that's also a struggle too, because if you're going to bring someone on or if you're going to try and do something yourself, you have to give it time to work. And you can't expect everything to have results immediately. Like this podcast, when you and I talked about it, it was a long-term marketing strategy um, and something we had to think a lot about. But if someone has a marketing idea they want to do, I think the fun and scary part about marketing is sometimes you see results right away and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you just have to learn from them. And it's true. And I was, you know, I had lunch with a friend of mine uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was a big TV advertiser and he just moved into a new market. And he's like, man, the, you know, I knew this was going to happen, but like the first year, the cost per case is astronomical. I mean, the amount of money they're spending for every case they're getting in is astronomical because they haven't built the brand yet. Uh, and when TV advertising, you have to build the brand. People have to think of you right away and not just call you just when they see your commercial and, you know, and, uh, because if they see, they've seen someone else's commercial for five years and yours just popped up, a lot of people aren't going to call you. Um, and so he's been through this before. It's you know, like his third or fourth market to go into for TV. So he knows what's coming, but he still, it's still painful because he's trying to convince me to invest with him on a, on a new market. 
but he's warning me like, okay, this is what we're gonna have to do. We, you know, we're each gonna have to write a check for this amount of money. Uh, and you just know that don't expect to make money until the third year. That's um, just, that's the way that goes. And same for, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do, it just, uh, it just takes time. You gotta be out there long enough and then someone has to see it, like it, and then, and then need you. Cause it's not like we're McDonald's and people need to eat three meals a day. Yeah. And so if you get them hungry enough, you know, that week you can get them to come in and try your new Travis Scott meal, you know, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I had to do with my, who puts lettuce on a Big Mac? I don't know. I'm not sorry. Who puts lettuce on a quarter pounder? Of course you put lettuce on a Big Mac, but who puts lettuce on a quarter pounder? It's just wrong. Uh, <laughs> and it's stunk because we went there and ordered, he ordered the Travis Scott meal and he wanted it with no lettuce. So he got it with no lettuce. My wife and I just ordered quarter pounders and they put lettuce on our freaking quarter pounders. It ruined it. Sorry. I, Total I'm the wrong person because I eat it as a lettuce wrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, if I'm going to eat lettuce, I'd, I'll go to In-N-Out or, or Whataburger. I'm, I'm not going to go to McDonald's for their high quality beef. But uh, I don't know where that came from. Uh, but basically, it, it does take a lot of time. Uh, and you have to stick. It's hard because you don't want to keep spending money on something that's not working at all. But then you also have to stick with it long enough to let it work. Now, the podcast I did for fun anyway, I had no expectation of getting a case when we started this podcast. Um, I just did it because I learned what a podcast was and I couldn't find one that I liked. And I thought of nothing else. I'm going to get to go talk to lawyers and consultants uh, that I want to learn from and I'm going to get to learn something. So th this, you know, the fact that some people have been nice enough to bring us in on cases that have been fans is is an added bonus. But that wasn't the, the pure, uh, this wasn't a purely marketing driven thing. And I think it's one of the reasons it's worked. Uh, it's because it wasn't purely marketing driven. We've learned a lot. Yeah, we have. Each year, the law firm of Callen Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide on trucking and company vehicle cases. If you have a case involving death or catastrophic injuries and would like to partner with our firm, please contact us. We have experience finding potential defendants that other firms miss, and we've added millions of dollars to cases by finding these sources of recovery. If you have a catastrophic injury or death case where the policy limits appear to be insufficient, give us a call. If we can find another defendant, we can partner on the case. And if we can't, then we won't ask for any of the fees. You can reach Delisi Friday by calling 210-941-1301 or send an email to podcast at triallawyernation.com. She will coordinate a time for Michael Cowan to speak with you in person or by phone to discuss the case in detail. And now back to the show. So going back, so yeah, we've tried multiple, multiple things. We went through a lot of people and actually I hired someone else to help me develop a marketing plan. Uh, and she helped me put on a seminar, which was a flop. Uh, but she helped me find you. And, and this is funny because I originally on paper, you're not, you weren't my number one candidate uh, because I wouldn't have picked me either. <laughs> you didn't have as big of a marketing background. And then she said, Oh, you should hire her because her dad was a lawyer and she'll know a lot of the lawyers in town. And I'm like, I don't give a crap about that. No one's going to hire me because they knew her dad, you know, like, yeah. and, and frankly, the lawyers in San Antonio weren't my target audience anyway. I mean, I had a different geographic area that I was going after. Uh, and it wasn't until I met you, I'm like, okay, this is the person, you know, this is the person I want to hire. Uh, when I'm, and thank God I did. But it, it was the interview that really sold you. Um, and let me kind of see who you were. Well, so let me ask you a question because that's got to be something that a lot of our listeners are wondering is when you were thinking about hiring someone, what, 
what were you hoping to find and what did you learn through that process? Well, a couple things. One, I, ne- I really needed somebody with tenacity. Uh, I needed somebody that could stick with things and get things done uh, and, and kick me in the butt when I don't feel like doing things or when I, you know, you know me, I, I'm like a cat. You shine a light here and there and I'm just chasing after it everywhere. And so I really need somebody to say, Michael, you say you're going to do that this week. You better do this this week. Michael, I know you want to take that new kind of case on, but you said we're not going to do those kind of cases anymore. Are you sure we're going to do that? I need that person in my life. You know, my mom's not, I have not lived with my mom for decades and I need someone else to, to be that for me. I hate to say that, but it's just the the, the honest truth. Uh, so that's one thing I was looking for. Another thing, frankly, is I need someone that is poised, classy, someone that can talk to other lawyers professionally so that I don't have to do it all myself. And, you know, and frankly, I think the big mistake a lot of people hire um, is doing hiring and and don't take this the wrong way. You're an attractive woman, but just like hiring the young, hot looking, low cut shirt, short skirt person because they think that they're going to get in the door. And the idea is it's mostly going to be male referring lawyers and the, they're definitely going to want to talk to this young lady. And they are, but they're not going to be thinking about referring your case. They're going to think about something else altogether. <laughs> and, you know, and I've seen that. I've seen that happening with funding companies, with medical offices or chiropractic offices wanting business. Uh, I've seen it happen with lawyers trying to get business. And, you know, it's just getting someone that can actually have, you know, fit in and have a conversation uh, is and, and, and be kind of a peer with the lawyers, I think is something that's more important. I agree with you. And I can also relate because I have had different people help me. I've had marketing assistants in the past. And also we've done um, marketing interns, which we can talk about later as a way to get someone in on a budget. Um, And what I noticed, regardless of, of each individual person, is the ability to talk to other lawyers is is critical, especially for a firm like us where we do business to business. If you can't actually write a full complete sentence, then right. this isn't this isn't gonna be for you. And for us, we do so much writing. Um, and especially in the legal industry, it needs to be well written and it needs to communicate a message. And yes, sometimes those other candidates um, who are easy on the eyes and not so many words, yeah. um, they don't have that. And it's, it's so important to, to have that in a, a person you want to stay long-term. Absolutely. And it's not that we're like, you know, like trying to hire ugly people. I mean, I don't, you know, I think our, our people are perfectly fine looking. I mean, you're a former beauty queen. Uh, actually. <laughs> Who am I to say anything? I was Miss Latina world. But. I know, <laughs> but, but that has nothing to do with why we hired you. Oh. That's, I think that's, that's what I'm trying to say. And, and you definitely don't dress like a, you know, like a hooch or I'm trying to find a <laughs> sufficiently derogatory, but not too offensive word. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I do think, you know, getting someone professional, if you're going to do the, and even if you're doing direct to consumer, I mean, you've got to get someone that, that will make a good impression. Uh, if you're not going to be talking to all the clients yourself with your clients or whatever you're talking to and are you, are your ad agencies or what, whatever level you're working on. Well, and I will also say that finding someone who at least has, because we've hired entry level individuals to help out because it's a great way to groom them into how we do our marketing in our law firm. Um, 
And we have found success in that. And it's all about finding the right person, but also that formal education, that bachelor's degree in marketing or in public relations gives them that entry-level experience or knowledge that you can expand upon. Well, um, yes and, and no. And that was going to be actually the second point that oh, I just okay. got so uh, caught up talking about the first one. I forgot what I was going to say. So not only did was I looking for somebody with the tenacity, with the class, with the poise, but I had to also find someone that was willing to implement my marketing plan. Because so many other people, they're like, but I learned this in school or we need to do this because this is what a lot of it's like, well, this is what all the other law firms are doing. Okay, well, if you like, like there's a super lawyers that comes out every year, which, you know, to me, it's like prom queen or something. You know, it's like a popularity. And, you know, I'm glad my name's in it, but I don't think it's really that, you know, scientific of, of a thing. But people spend all this money to put a big ad in the super lawyers magazine that the only other people are going to read are the other people that get the super lawyers. I mean, yeah. I don't know of any clients that go look at superlawyers.com or read the super lawyers magazine when picking a lawyer. Maybe there's some out there. I don't know any. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm going to spend, you know, so many thousand dollars for an ad, do I want to run the ad where all the other lawyers are running it? Or do I want to find some place where I can dominate the space? Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so what advice would you give, uh, let's say you have someone that's starting off their practice, uh, does not have a big budget. What are some things that you would recommend on getting cases? On getting cases, I would say my first piece of advice was to do what you and I did. And it's going to take time, but it was extremely important for us. And we do it every single year now because it works. And that's sitting down and looking at where you get your cases from. Every single one of them. It, it, it is very tedious, but you can't figure out where you can be successful until you realize what has been successful in the past. So you can continue to do that and then also see where have you not been successful and what should you stop doing because it's not bringing you cases. Yeah. So that absolutely, that's something you taught me and we do it every single year. And I think it's critical in determining what's working, what's not, what should we continue doing and what should we not do anymore? Yeah. I think, you know, just looking at your, at, at the people that already know you, that you already have a relationship with, you know, who's likely to either hire you or who's likely to be able to recommend that other people hire you and be in a place with that. And so some people, I mean, I know people that are very involved in the Christian community and it's pastors, you know, and they just flat out ask them. I mean, you know, they don't, there's nothing wrong with that. And they're, they're involved, they're believers. And, they ask the pastors and they, they get a lot of referrals from the congregations and those pastors congregations. And then they, but they also put the time in. They also spend time doing things with those churches and giving back to them. And it's not a quid pro quo. They're not saying, give me a case and I'll give you something back, but they're also giving back to those communities, uh, spending time, you know, if it's, uh, other lawyers, I mean, let, you know, like what I did, I, I was wanting to get going as a trial lawyer. So I went and found lawyers with volume practices who didn't want to try all their cases and asks, and then, you know, do you have any, you have anything that, you know, lunches, cocktails, whatever it takes um, going out there and then letting people know when you do something well. I mean, I, I used to be, I've fallen off of it now. I need to get back to it. But when I was getting started, I made sure that every time I got a verdict, it was in the verdict reporter. And if I had a non-confidential settlement, it was in the verdict reporter so that people started seeing my name and realizing that I was out there. It was, you know, really important to, to do that. You know, I've also seen something else increase and I find it really fascinating. And that's 
finding organic referrals through Facebook groups and the app next door. I am constantly seeing in Facebook groups, someone saying, Hey, do you know a lawyer who does this? And the same thing on next door, because people want to hire someone who's recommended or someone that um, they may come across or know. And those are two areas that I've seen a lot of potential in and are free. And that's something that really, if I could, uh, you know, if I didn't have to worry about pissing off my referring lawyers who, you know, I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds me. The one thing where we could get more business and we choose not to is talking to our happy clients mm-hmm. saying, you know, if you ever needed somebody else, call me, even if it's not something I do, I let me be your source. Let me help you find the right lawyer. Um, right. Cause one, you might get a referral fee out of it, but if not, you at least you're the relationship when they have something legal, they come to you and, you know, asking them to rep- to rec- to recommend friends and family. We have some of that happen organically. Uh, but I will tell you that I, we would do more of it, except I've had some referring lawyers specifically tell me that's how they get their business. And they want to do that. And they want it to be them, not me. And that's okay. That's the deal. I'll, I'll take that. Because frankly, you know, I don't want a lot of smaller cases anyway, which is mostly what you get from there. Uh, but that's the one, I guess, huge piece of potential business that we leave on the table at our firm intentionally that I think a lot of people, if they don't have either don't have a referral lawyer network or, you know, ours were specifically, we're getting referrals from personal injury lawyers that want those other cases. If I was getting referrals from family law lawyers, criminal lawyers, it's other types of lawyers. I wouldn't worry about that as much. Uh, but because I don't want to, I don't want to bite the hands and feed me. And a few of them was very, very specifically told me like, you know, I, this person, you know, is in my tribe and I want you to consider them part of my tribe and you don't market to them. You don't market to their family. Like, okay. Well, and I think for our fans who are listening, they should most definitely make it a part of their procedure when they close out a case that they ask that client, if you ever have someone who needs an attorney, please refer me. And they go the additional step in saying, can you please leave me a testimonial? Because a lot of people look for lawyers on Google. And if you don't have any testimonials, then people don't feel as confident in calling you because they wonder why. But if you just ask, then you may receive a great testimonial that will help you get new business somewhere down the line. Yeah, one thing we do is we ask people to do a survey at the end of the case. It's usually around the time they, they're going to uh, get their check. So it's when they should be the happiest. And then they give us all 10s or 9s and 10s. Then we ask them, hey, you want to give us give a review? We send them links to review sites. You know, now if they aren't as thrilled with our performance, which is rare, but happens every now and then, then maybe we don't suggest a review. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I know, because uh, you have to be careful with that. I know that I, I've never left a one-star review online for anyone before until a couple weeks ago, and I had a horrible experience. Um, at a, I was getting my hair cut, and the place was packed, and people weren't wearing masks or had the mask done under the nose. And then, like, I finally got my my son and I each had appointments at the same time. I got mine cut. I walked out. They hadn't even talked to my son yet. They'd taken all these people that came in after him. We just left, and then I get a, I get a, a text like. 15 minutes later, do you want to leave a review? Hell yeah. So that wasn't a very good idea on their part uh, because, you know. It's always the people who are the most upset or the most happy who leave the reviews. Exactly. So you definitely want to uh, try to get your happy clients to leave a review. But I also think that they will forget about you. Unless you're a huge, huge advertiser you see all the time. I think if you want to get repeat business from former clients, you need to send them something periodically. Even if it's just a little note a birthday card, something to remember you. And and I remember, I mean, I had someone refer me a case once and we, we did a decent job on the case. 
And they got another crash like five years later. And they hired a different lawyer that time. They hired two different advertising lawyers. And that, that lawyer referred the client to me. And she comes in and says, oh, Mr. Cowan, you did such a great job last time. I'm glad I'm back with you. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I appreciate that. But I'm just kind of curious. Why didn't you call me directly if I did such a great job for you? Because I didn't remember who you are. Uh, I didn't remember your name. I didn't, you know, so I was went with the address all. You know, and that's just because we, how do you, how do you expect someone to remember you years later, you know? Right. It's what you refer to all the time as top of mind marketing. You have to yeah. stay top of mind. You have to stay top of mind. And same for if it's business to business. I mean, you go, you speak at a seminar and someone sees you speak once, you do a great job. Are they going to think of you a year later? If you go take someone to lunch and you wait a year and you haven't reached out to them, I mean, you have to find a way to keep touching them if you want them to, uh, to go and refer back. And then I think, and then curate your list. I mean, if you've been reaching out for two years and they never sent someone over, well, then maybe you don't keep spending the money if you've got a, a budget issue. And, and we've done that. We used to do like a beautiful little magazine everyone loved. Uh, but we spent a ton of money doing it. And we spent like, we were doing like 1600 issues, copies a month or some of that we were sending out. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot. And, it was, and a, it was lot. a lot of work to do. It was, like I said, it was beautiful. Everyone told us how great it was, how awesome it was. And it didn't bring a case. Nope. And we cut it out and we saw no loss of business. So, you know, you have to be smart about it. But at the same time, if you, if you want to get people to refer you cases, you have to regularly reach out to them. And, uh, and you can look at, even right now during COVID, I mean, I miss going my, my lunches, my fishing trips, my dinners, my, you know, drinks, whatever it is, sports games uh, that we do with our referring lawyers. I, mean, I miss that. But if you look at my texts, you look at my phone calls, I mean, I'm still, I'm still making sure that, and it's, and it's, I really do care about these people, but because they are my friends, but I am right. making sure that I am keeping in touch with them on a very regular basis. Uh, so they don't think I've forgotten about them or that, that I'm too busy and I don't, you know, the, what they have isn't big enough for me anymore and I don't need them anymore or something. I, I want to make sure that, uh, and it's not even, you know, Hey, do you have any cases for me? It's, Hey, how are you doing today? Hey, how are you, how are you holding up with COVID? You know? Right. I agree. We miss that connection. I miss it a lot. That's, you know, that, that was the most fun part of what I did is I mean, trials are a lot of fun, but you don't get to do many of those, but you know, hanging out with other people and calling that work. That's a lot of fun. Hey, let's go have dinner. Let's go to watch this first game. Let's go on a fishing trip. And that's, that's fun. And, and, and it works, but uh, it only works if you deliver afterwards. Uh, I mean, right. you can get, you know, you can get a case by taking someone out and giving, and them giving you a chance, but to keep it up, I mean, it doesn't matter how many little gifts you send. It doesn't matter how many, you know, everything else, if you don't deliver and, and give good legal services um, and, you know, get a good check at the end for the value of the case. It doesn't make a difference. They're not going to keep giving it to you because they like you. I agree. Something else that I find, I know I'm just kind of rambling now, but uh, something else that I found has helped uh, get us some more, even though we're not asking for organic referrals from our clients, we've put a huge emphasis on uh, customer service, including monitoring and, and enforcing regular uh, substantive client calls so that our clients know what's going on in their cases. Uh, you know, at least they get called more than once a month because there's different things going on, but at least once a month they have to have what, what's called a client contact where we have to go, you know, tell them what's going on in the case. We find out what's going on with them medically. We ask them if they need help with anything. Uh, and that has, one, we don't have people calling saying, I don't know what's going on in my case and complaining like we used to. But that has really caused people to recommend us a lot more because 
people have no idea whether you got them good money on a case or not because they have no basis for comparison. Right. Um, so you may have gotten them a fantastic settlement, but what they're viewing money-wise, they're they're comparing it to some, you know, case they saw on TV that had nothing to do with theirs. And but they know service. They know whether they were treated with respect. They know whether they were happy. Whether they were well informed. Uh, and I think, to a lesser extent, that's true for referring lawyers or co-counsel too. Whereas, yes, everyone likes to get that big check at the end. Uh, but not every case ends up in a big check. I mean, the, a lot of that's fact intense. You know, is, is it a good case or not? You know, how hurt was the client? How much insurance coverage is there? How bad are the liability facts? Uh, but the regular communication with them, the not having clients call and complain, the having clients say that, yes, I had a good experience there. Thank you. This was a good thing for me. But letting them know what's going on instead of just feel like I sent this case into a black hole and then I got a call a year and a half later saying, oh, we got to settle it cheap. We've got problems. Or even they got a big check, but a year and a half after knowing nothing. Uh, giving someone that better experience makes them more likely to come back to you. I think that is just as important as all the marketing you do to get the case. Yeah. You don't deliver then. And we've talked about this many times, but if you spend a lot of time and effort and money and thought into your marketing and then you get the case and you don't deliver good results, then you're losing money. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who attended Cowan's Big Rig Bootcamp in August. We had an excellent virtual turnout this year and are already thinking of how we can continue to raise that bar for next year. If you'd like to attend virtually in 2021, be sure to mark May 20th, 2021 on your calendar now and save the date. To stay updated with details as they become available, visit BigRigBootCamp.com and sign up for our mailing list. And now back to the show. You know, so marketing, like I said, we, we started doing things ourselves. And then, you know, I think you can get interns you can get, you know, local people to help you. But at some point, you get to where you don't have the, you want to do more than you have the capacity. It's very tempting to get a marketing agency. And, and we did that. Uh, tell me what you think about the pros and cons of working with a marketing company. So I think um, the pros and cons kind of depend on the law firm and what their needs are. Um, I think for us, it made sense for us to have a marketing agency um, sometime after I began because you and I were trying to figure out what was going to work, what were we going to continue doing, and I needed support to do it. And I'll, I'll describe what I mean by that. I am the creative person, and I am the writer, and I am the person who can help make sure everything is implemented. However, even though I'm a millennial, that does not mean I know how to create graphics. Um, (laughs) That's not that's not what I do. So I need help with that. So before we found other solutions, we thought, okay, if we hire a marketing agency who can help with that, um, that will make things easier for us. And it did. It helped us understand what marketing strategies were going to be successful if we had help. It helped us create some really incredible looking marketing pieces. Everything we did was a very great quality. Um, And it was nice for me to do that with help. Um, And I appreciated it. I think the flip side to that, when you think about the cons of it, is the cost. Um, It is not always cost efficient to hire a marketing agency. If you hire an agency, you're going to have to have an account rep then they're going to have to pay the people to do the work that you need. Maybe you pay a flat rate or maybe you pay an hourly rate. 
Um, and depending on what it is that you're using them for, it can be costly. And I think one of the things I learned was our marketing agency was great for us to figure out what worked if we had all the right manpower and we implemented it perfectly, what was not going to work, what was too expensive, and what could we do with a smaller budget or on our own. And, and that's when you had mentioned Upwork. We started using Upwork to um, contract out some of the stuff that we needed. And we realized, hey, wait, we, we can do this without an agency. But I think it depends on the lawyer. I think it depends on what your needs are, what your budget is, what's your expectation, how much marketing are you going to do? And then writing down how much is it going to cost if I hire an agency and how much is it going to cost if I contract this workout? Yeah. And then do you, you know, do you know enough about marketing to come up with, you know, do you need someone to come up with your strategies for you or do you need someone to bounce around ideas with, or do you need someone to implement your ideas? And, you know, and I was very careful. I've worked with several agencies over the years. Uh, one thing is I will never again work with someone that does quote unquote legal marketing because that's just regular marketing that costs five times as much. Uh, I mean, just, I think lawyers are viewed as suckers in the marketing world and they just bamboozle us right and left. And, and uh, but you know, I really went, you know, I had an idea of what, what what's called direct response marketing. I wanted to send things to people and that were informational and, and keep sending them stuff in the hope of, you know, creating that. I wanted to do B2B, which is not, most people are telling me, no, 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 you need to do, you know, you need to worry more about your brand and, and, and branding yourself to consumers. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. There's 2 million people here. There are people spending a million dollars a month branding themselves to consumers. I'm not going to beat that. And, and frankly, I, if I had $12 million a year to spend advertising or $5 million a year advertising, which I don't, but I wouldn't want the number of cases coming in every month it would take to pay for that advertising. I don't want that firm. Uh, so I have to see what works for me. And I need to get someone that's going to do that. And, you know, and I, and I love the guy we had that was doing our marketing. I mean, I loved him as a person. And when we started, he was very much in line with our vision. I think he got towards the end a little bit too in love with he was making these things that looked really cool. And they were, they were beautiful. They looked yeah. awesome, but they weren't performing. And, and the one thing I hate with marketing people is they keep wanting to find a metric other than making you money. The internet marketing, well, look how many page views we got you. Look how many clicks we got you. It's like, I don't give a damn about a click. I don't give a damn about an inquiry, a lead. How many cases that I wanted did I get and how much money did I make them? Well, awesome. because I can't because deposit clicks. I can deposit settlement checks and that's it. Agreed. And then when you talk about that, because you have to, if you have an agency, you have to talk to them about what new business came in and what didn't. It was funny when you hear, but if you spent more money. Yeah, it's always, always, what if you spent more money? It's just like, yeah, it, it's like dating in a, you know, it's like a bad relationship sometimes. It's like, if, you, if I just give it another year, if I just try harder, it's like, no, I'm, you know, this, is, this isn't going to work anymore. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, and while they're, they're great people and, and they were a great fit for a while, it just, it made sense for us to bring it in-house, which we couldn't Absolutely. have done at first. I mean, we had to learn a lot and then to make the connections, you know, we don't want to, we're, we're not at a point now where, you know, we want to just go set up a, an iPhone on a tripod to film a video anymore. I mean, we, you know, we want to be able to find professional people, you know, we had to make those contacts, uh, you know, and then, but a lot of stuff you really can do through Upwork or these other sites where you hire contractors to do it. Uh, you can get a lot of really good design work. You can get a lot of good copywriting done without having to bring in the full-time people. 
I agree. And we, you know, we even contracted a graphic designer um, who was local in San Antonio because we wanted to be able to meet with someone because we use them for uh, case graphics as well. And so that, that worked out for us too, but there's definitely different ways to to go about doing this. And she was great. uh, uh, But and, and I still like her a lot. I would still, if, if the situation came up, I would hire again in a heartbeat. I mean, she was really good. Mm-hmm. But what caused the, you to think that, because it was really, I think, more your idea to say, instead of hiring contractors, we're going to hire more full-time employees in our marketing department when we grew to that point. So I think when we started talking it out, it made sense because you and I had an idea and that's how it always starts, right? You and I right. just have this idea. <laughs> so we had an idea of hiring a graphic designer um, and using them not just for marketing, but also for our case graphics. Because whenever you do this, your concern is, I need it to be a success, but I also need to make sure they have enough work to do. Right. We thought if we have them do marketing and case graphics, it'll be enough work to do. Um, and so that's where the conversation started because we realized how many graphics we are creating, not just on the marketing side, but on the case side, because we want to be elite trial lawyers and elite trial lawyers put in that work. And that's, that's where the idea came from. And it has been so awesome. Uh, you know, I think one advantage, you know, contractors, you know, you don't have to have the, the cost every month. I mean, you can cut it off anytime you want, you just pay for them when you need them but you don't have the same continuity. They have other projects, they have other jobs. Uh, you're not always their top priority or, or you have to you know, whine a lot to become their top priority because they have other people that also want them to work on things. Um, and, and if you don't work with the same person all the time, you know, they don't necessarily get you and you have to kind of re, you know, yeah. no, this is the style we want or this is the mess branding or the messaging we want. And you, know, you kind of have to keep going back and, and kind of reteaching them. Cause like for our trial graphics, we. We have very, very, I mean, down to, because we work with Roddy Jew, down to the font we want used and the color scheme we want used. I mean, where, and there's like, well, you've got, you don't have enough white space in this. Or you have, no, no, I know that, but this is what we want because someone spent a bunch of money researching this and we're not running an ad in Vogue. We are presenting this on a board to a jury in a courtroom. And so it's a different, you know, it's different. Um, And, you know, having someone full time, we've been able to get someone that just does what we want and he's learned the way we want it. And so it just gets easier and easier to work with them. It, it's been absolutely great. And I think in full disclosure, I, I was a little bit nervous, too, because I thought, man, are we going to keep this person busy? And if anything, it helped us create more work. And in a positive way that impacted our cases and impacted our marketing, because we didn't realize until we made the jump from contracting out someone to do that, to hiring them to work full-time in our firm, that we realized, man, a real positive with having someone in our firm is we get to bounce ideas off of them. And then other people in the office are like, hey, you know what would make this mediation great? If I had a graphic like this. And then it just snowballed and our fear of not having enough work for this person went right out the window and it improved our firm in more ways than one. Well, so even for the book I'm writing, it's like, how do I describe this? I know, let's get a picture. Cause you know, when you're publishing a, when I'm doing a presentation at a attorney conference, I just go online and find an image. Well, when you're publishing a book, you can't just take other people's image. No. Maybe I shouldn't be doing a conference either, but uh, you just can't take someone else's image off and put it in a book and publish it and sell it for money. So, you know, like, 
here's what I want. And I just like get it somewhat like what you saw on the internet or let me hand draw something out. And can you, can you do this for me? Yeah. You know, and same, usually the same day I get it back and, you know, we'll make a couple little changes, but it's just so awesome. And it's so much easier to explain concepts when you have a visual. Well, and depot cuts. I mean, how happy are you that you have someone to help you with depot cuts before trial? Well, especially now, you know, when, when you get, you've done all your cuts and then, you know, your the judge makes some rulings uh, and doesn't let some stuff in and you have to re-edit and sustain some objections and you have to re-edit your video real quick. And you having someone else in-house that can do that now, where it used to be me and Premiere are, yeah. you know, there's some other programs where you can sync the transcript with the video, but it never comes, it's, it's, it's not clean. Uh, like you'll start off with a big long pause or it'll start off like cutting into the word. It's just not as crisp as someone using actual video editing software to do it professionally. Right. Uh, and it, it is so nice, you know, now the one disadvantage of bringing someone in house is we, you know, it's a, it's an expense the firm bears. It's not something if, when you outsource, you can pass the cost along to a client many times. Whereas the, under the ethics rules, it's, it's very challenging and we don't even try to do it. There's all kinds of disclosures you have to give and, uh, to have someone that is your employee or a business you own that uh, has services that you charge the client. And there's good reasons for that. Well, and, and so let me ask you a question because you've mentioned this before that some of our marketing dollars are not marketing dollars that we can write off. You you went into it into more detail. So can you help explain what that means? If someone's considering bringing on yeah. someone internally, what's yeah, the- Yeah, they're really two different concepts. What I was talking about right now is that like, you know, when I have Raul, our graphic artist who's brilliant, if I have him make a, a, a graphic a poster to use for trial, I don't charge the client for the money I paid Raul to do that. Whereas if I hired High Impact to make the same poster, they charged me money, I would pass that cost along to my client. Sure. So it does, on one hand, it does decrease, you know, the margin a little bit. On the other hand, we have so many more graphics and we, you know, and we get it done instantly and we're not having to go through, you know, layers of people. We don't have to get in line with the law firms. It, it, I think it more than pays for itself in the long run, but it is, that is a disadvantage. The other thing you talked about is, yeah, the, under the uh, tax cut that everyone else got, uh, the Trump tax cut, uh, those of us who do business to business marketing really got screwed because the, uh, they took away the business entertainment expense. So like, now this is, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm flexing here. It, it, uh, it took us a long time to build up to this, but it makes sense for our marketing uh, that I can only get out so often. I can only, you know, and I can only, our people are spread out. And so if I can bring groups of people to somewhere where I'm going to be, instead of me having to go out and go around the state and meet everybody individually, it's, it's beneficial. So we got a suite for the San Antonio Spurs at the Alamo, uh, not the Alamo, the AT&T Center. And so we get to go to concerts and hang out in the suite. We get to go watch basketball games. Uh, and it's awesome. Uh, and before the, tr the Trump's so-called tax cut, we got to deduct that. Uh, and when we took the lawyers on fishing trips and, you know, took the lawyers out, you know, to other kind of fun events, we would be able to deduct that. And now we can't. Um, There's no longer a tax deduction of its business entertainment. And so that really hurt uh, because, you know, frankly, you know, it basically raised the cost of our Spurs contract by 40 percent, uh, which right. those aren't cheap because uh, it was no it went from being a tax deductible expense to a non-deductible expenditure. And that that was not fun. Well, and I'm sure anyone who is doing any kind of marketing on any scale, that's something to think about now. Yeah, you know, your your traditional marketing stuff, your your brochures, your marketing pieces, commercials, all that's still considered marketing expenses and it's deductible, but your business entertainment is not. 
One good thing about CLE marketing, a CLE is not considered um, entertainment. It's considered putting on an education course or seminar. So you just have to, you know, you, you got to be creative. But, you know, I've, I've been audited twice. I've not had to pay a dime either time. So, you know, we try to stay on the right side of the IRS. Right. Enjoying the episode? Do you wish you had Trial Lawyer Nation on the go? Well, wish no more. The Trial Lawyer Nation app is available now exclusively on iOS devices. Access our entire podcast library, create a favorites list, search for old and new episodes, and much more. It truly is Trial Lawyer Nation at your fingertips. Download this free app now and enjoy the top legal podcast for plaintiff attorneys wherever you go. So what do you think that what were the biggest challenges is that you had to deal with when we, you know, we took we, what we did, I think, is we looked at our we looked at our marketing. I remember what happened. We looked at our uh, what we were spending per year. And then we said we we're thinking about in-housing some of it. And so we told our people, we want you. They were just giving us a quote, like you pay us this much money and we'll do all your marketing for the year. Right. And we said, well, we want an itemized quote uh, this much for doing our work, like this much for doing the put on our seminar, this much for the monthly mailings, this much, of, and they wouldn't do it. They just refused. Right. And so we yeah. just, we just broke off from them suddenly after that. Uh, and we took everything in house. Uh, but we also saw, you know, what, what, on what we were spending, we could hire people and do it in house and have money left over. Uh, right. So what were the biggest challenges for you moving in house? Honestly, the biggest challenge was we made that decision in December and January. We had to start. <laughs> yeah, that's that's working with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I think the challenge was you don't want to do something like that and it not be a success. So the planner and organizer and me thought out, OK, we've gone through all the things that we do at, in terms of marketing throughout the year. So what do I need to tackle in the first quarter, second, third, fourth? Let me focus on that. And then let me focus on how can we make those successful and what do I need to do to get everything done on time and within budget? Um, because I didn't want the continuity of our marketing to stop. And I didn't want the quality of our marketing to stop. Um, so what was it like for me? It was planning because you have to have a plan. And then it was also having a lot of communication with you. When you and I made that decision, one of the things that we agreed upon was if we're going to market this firm, we have to be on the same page. So you and yeah. I, we, we meet weekly. And as we got into our groove, if you remember, our beginning weekly marketing meetings would take a whole hour. Yeah. Now, I think we spent like 10 minutes today because we're in sync, we're on the same page and we have the same goals for our marketing. So I think good, clean communication between me and you was critical. And then having a plan and implementing it um, was crucial. And once we had that, it was it was easy because I'd already been doing the job. It was just doing it differently. Yeah, I think the other thing that was it happened later that really uh, upped our game was when I promoted you from not just being our marketing director, but to managing marketing and intake. Uh, and I think there's always a disconnect because the marketing just says, well, we got so many calls coming in. We got so many leads coming in mm -hmm. and you'd get excited. I remember you'd get excited. All oh, this lawyer sent all these cases. And I'd be thinking, yeah, but they're all shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you wouldn't see it. And then I, I'd worry about hurting your feelings when I said things like that, because, you know, I do say things like that. Uh, 
Uh, but uh, now that you see them coming in and you're like, okay, this is why this case is good. This is why this case isn't. And then you're, you know, when we have, because we have automatic yeses, we have automatic noes, we have some criteria, but we have a lot of gray area cases where we have to talk it out and you see what our thought process is and like, oh yeah, that's why this wouldn't be a good case. And it, it really, now, now you're more no than I am on cases. So I'm like, oh, I think I can do some of this. Uh, but you're, uh, I think it's really helped because it's really taught you to see, because with all respect, there's some lawyers, they're great people. You know, they want to work with us, but frankly, they just don't have any cases that, that we're the right fit for. Uh, and we'd be happy to talk to them. We'd be happy to either give them advice or resources or, you know, connect them up with other people that would be great at doing those kind of cases, but they're just not the right fit for us. And so while we'll still be nice to them, well, you know, they can come to our seminars, uh, you know, probably not going to bring them on the fishing trip to New Orleans, you know, our Venice outside of New Orleans or the big Vegas trip. We're going to spend a bunch of money on people. Uh, and not because we don't like them. It's just that it's a lot of money to take someone on one of those trips. And, you know, you've got to see who has what's what we want, uh, quite frankly. Well, I'm worried, I, that's what I've been texting people about. There's a vaccine coming. We're going to go to <laughs> Vegas or we're going to go fishing. That's been my, oh my, um, my, my gifs of jet planes and Vegas lights and big fish that I've been sending people this week. <laughs> I, I agree with you, though. I think um, that was also really important, too. I think when I, as a legal marketer, was able to see what cases were accepted and what weren't, it helped me understand why I do what I do in, in a different way that I needed to in order to be more successful and to better fine tune the messaging that we were doing in our marketing. Um, yeah. And it helped me see what was successful and what wasn't because you're right, until I became um, the person who was managing the intake department, I would see 10 cases come in, I would get so excited, but it's very different if I know only one of those was accepted. Yeah. Um, so, so I agree with you. And you also mentioned it's just as important to market well and then provide excellent customer service. I have absolutely loved managing the intake department because now I can make sure as soon as that new case comes in, they are getting that excellent service and everything is happening exactly how it should. And the perfectionist in me loves it. And also you can nurture those relationships and talk to people when you know, I'm going to be in trial or I'm going to go take a week off and without and, and leave my phone behind so I can work on my book or whatever else I'm, I'm going to do uh, or go on vacation. And, and you can keep the relationships going. Frankly, right. there's some people that we do business with that I have they've started during COVID. I've yet to meet them in person, but you've done such a great job nurturing them. I think the other thing is I was just thinking of this as you were talking. When you're when you have an outside agency, they always have to justify their existence. Uh, they have to justify the fact that you're spending all this money. So they're always going to fight with you on, but we got you these calls, we got you these clicks and you know, they're always, but you've got to take that into account. And that's what we, whereas you're on our management team of the firm, you see not just the intakes, but you, you see the, the overall firm numbers. You talk about everything because you're part of our leadership team. We meet every week on that too. Uh, and so you're really in it for what's best for the firm, not just what makes the marketing department look best. Right. Uh, which I think that alignment that we generated by doing it in-house, I think is something we could never get if we did it. So I, I think for those of you that are listening, I think the goal of everyone should be to do at least part of your marketing in-house and have, you know, your own marketing people. But realistically, you know, this was a, this is a 20 something year process. This wasn't uh, you know, frankly, when I first 
started, you know, even 10 years in my career, at least I couldn't have afforded you. <laughs> you know, frankly, you know, you just, I didn't have the, the money to pay someone of your caliber. Uh, well, and I also think that is very kind of you to say, <laughs> but I've also grown professionally yeah. because you and I have tested different strategies. We've talked out why we do things. We've made adjustments along the way um, and we've done it together. So I think that relationship and that communication and like you just said, being a part of a leadership team, I have buy-in in our entire process. Yeah. And I will be one of the first ones to say, hey, let's talk about changing something if I see something that needs improvement. And it's very fulfilling for me professionally when I can see a case from beginning to end. Yeah, whereas before I'd have someone say, because they'd want to have somebody, you know, another year of their website service, but you have to see this, you know, there's some luck involved. You just have to keep going and doing this, whereas you're like, hey, we need to, we need, this isn't working. We need to do something better. Right. How can we improve and how can we make it work? It's just a very different thing. So, you know, everyone listening, I think that is the ideal, but, you know, start small, start doing things yourselves, uh, start uh, hiring interns, hiring contractors, and just, you know, build it up, invest in yourself, invest in your firm uh, until you can get the cases that you want and you deserve uh, and, and, and believe that you do deserve them because you do. Uh, one last thing I just want to talk about is, you know, my biggest thing I had to overcome is just my doing things in fits and starts. I would do it really strong for a while and then I'd forget about it and start working on something else. I do it really strong for a while and I forget about it. Um, what is it that we're going to do in a week? Is it next week or the week after where we're going to sit down and take a full day Oh, um, so every year we have an annual marketing meeting and it's a full day that we dedicate in December where all of us will get together. We will analyze our budget. We'll analyze every lead that came in, all of those leads that came into cases, all of our strategies for the year. And then we plan for the next year. Um, and that is extremely important. In this podcast, we talked about why it was important for us to talk about what's working, what's not, so we can adjust. And I think that's incredibly important for people to be doing every single year um, if they want to succeed. And when we're talking about what we're planning for the year, we're planning like we're going to do, you know, this year's a little more complicated because we're having to make some vaccine projections and stuff. But like right. we're going to do our seminars at this point in time. We're going to take people on a fishing trip on this date and we need to go book it now and we need to contact them and, and decide who we're going to invite. And we're going to take people to, you know, these are the, these are the events we're going to have. We're going to give out gifts for, for whatever we're going to give a gift for. We're going to, you know, whatever we're going to do, we plan it out way in advance. So we leave some budget for kind of, you know, discretionary things, but uh, even the birthday gifting and different levels of, you know, this person's like one of our pious referring lawyers. We got to make sure, you know, what is that person like? You know, how much money can we budget uh, to to give him something he really likes for his birthday? Let him know we love him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And I think that's really important. It's obviously going to be a little bit trickier this year because we have the pandemic. Um, but that doesn't mean it should stop you from planning in advance. You can't start 2021 without some kind of a plan in some direction. Yep, Absolutely. And I, I do think that uh, there's going to be some real opportunities in 2021 because, you know, this these times have been tough. And, and you know, when there's tough times, you know, not everyone's going to make it. And, uh, you know, there's going to be people out there that aren't going to be able to fund their cases. There's going to be people out there that aren't going to be able to spend the same kind of money marketing. And, you know, so if you can do it smart and not spend a fortune doing it, 
I think this can be some real opportunities for people in marketing the next year. Every time, every time there's hardship, it leads to opportunity. Absolutely. And so we just need to survive and then we can thrive. Absolutely. Okay, Delicia. Well, thank you so much. I think we've hit over an hour now. So, uh, <laughs> Delicia, thank thanks you. so much. I always like talking to you. I'm looking forward to working and, and planning out next year. And thank you for everything you've done uh, to create the success at our firm. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be a part of your team. Thank you for joining us on Trial Lawyer Nation. I hope you enjoyed our show. If you'd like to receive updates, insider information, and more from Trial Lawyer Nation, sign up for our mailing list at triallawyernation.com. You can also visit our episodes page on the website for show notes and direct links to any resources in this or any past episode. To help more attorneys find our podcast, please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast on any of our social media outlets. If you'd like access to exclusive, plaintiff-lawyer-only content, in live monthly discussions with me, send a request to join the Trial Lawyer Nation Insider Circle Facebook group. Thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to having you with us next time on Trial Lawyer Nation. Each year, the law firm of Cowan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide on trucking and company vehicle cases. If you have a case involving death or catastrophic injuries and would like to partner with our firm, please contact us. We have experience finding potential defendants that other firms miss, and we've added millions of dollars to cases by finding these sources of recovery. If you have a catastrophic injury or death case where the policy limits appear to be insufficient, give us a call. If we can find another defendant, we can partner on the case. And if we can't, then we won't ask for any of the fees. You can reach Delisi Friday by calling 210-941-1301 or send an email to podcast at triallawyernation.com. She will coordinate a time for Michael Cowan to speak with you in person or by phone to discuss the case in detail. This podcast has been hosted by Michael Cowan and is not intended to, nor does it create the attorney-client privilege between our hosts, guests, or contributors and any listener for any reason. Content from the podcast is not to be interpreted as legal advice. All thoughts and opinions expressed herein are only those from which they came.